Welcome into the Cyclone Alert, Cyclone Scoop podcast. Michael Swain here, the Iowa State beat writer for 24-7 Sports. We're coming to you a few hours after Iowa State's 24-21 win over number 8 Oklahoma State at Jack Trice Stadium. Currently situated in the away radio booth, looking over a empty press box here, but just wanted to get a quick podcast out to you guys, recapping what was a, a pretty exciting and eventful game. You know, Iowa State notches its first home win over Oklahoma State since 2011, their first win over Oklahoma State period in two years. And this now catapults Iowa State likely in, into the AP Top 25, even though I've expressed my disdain for it. Uh, they will probably be ranked here on Sunday, and they now have some momentum going into um, what is a tough stretch. You've got road games against West Virginia, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and a home game against Texas here over the next four weeks. Um, but starting off from just some of the numbers, you know, Iowa State somehow really was able to outgain Oklahoma State where in the first half it seemed like Iowa State's offense was not going to be able to get much going. In the end, Iowa State gained 374 yards to Oklahoma State's 332 yards. And it's also worth noting I am here with Cody Nagel from our Oklahoma State 24-7 sports website. And I think let's start here, Cody. Um, what maybe for you was the biggest surprise of the game and then we can probably work our way around and go from there yeah so i think you know if you'd have you know told me pre-game that spencer sanders um, oklahoma state's quarterback would throw three touchdowns um and would have zero turnovers um and the oklahoma state defense would hold iowa state to what was it i mean less than 100 yards rushing i'd have a hard time believing that iowa state would win um just because that's like the two areas that you know are if Oklahoma State doesn't turn the ball over and they can stop the run, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm pretty sure they're going to win the game. Yeah. Um, so that that was pretty surprising, you know, to look at the stats after the game and see that. Yeah, when you look at what Iowa State's bread and butter has been, it's been a lot of the relying on the run game and then kind of building some of the passing attack off of it. But I think the thing that you look at the game in general – I think it comes down to really a few decisions made by Mike Gundy. You know, in the first half, you've got the play where they decide to attempt a 50-yard field goal um, on a, a fourth and short. But at that point in the field, like you understand, it's somewhat early in the game. Understand it. Um, so they attempt the field goal. It's no good. Iowa State then drives, and they score a touchdown to open their own scoring to make it a 7-7 seven to seven game, I believe. And then, to me, I think the turning point in the entire game was in the second half when – Oklahoma State had a fourth and one, fourth and two uh, at about like the 20-yard line, I want to say. And Mike Gundy, instead of electing to go for it, elects to kick a short field goal. And the kick missed, and then Iowa State goes down and gets a a field goal to take a three-point lead. Um, And that ended up being the difference in the game, you know, in the end of it. So I, I thought that was an interesting decision by Mike Gundy. And I made a joke on Twitter that, you know, he's now got the lifetime contract and he should be aggressive. And that really struck me because I think you're looking at that point in the game, Iowa State's defense in the second half, I thought was playing, you know, pretty good football. And to take a conservative approach there really, really stood out to me. And I guess from an Oklahoma State perspective, how out of the norm was that? Like, are they an aggressive team on fourth down? Because I look at Iowa State. And in the first half, they went forward on fourth down, I think on their first drive of the game. They didn't get it. And then they go on fourth down again, just in plus midfield. Iowa State doesn't go for it on fourth down. That's something Matt Campbell said post game was like that was just something they decided to do. So from Oklahoma State's perspective, like how out of the norm was that for them to really go for it there on that fourth down? You know, I feel like Gundy's generally pretty conservative when it comes to stuff like that. And you know, we asked him after the game, um, you know, looking back on it, would you make the same choice? Would you kick the field goal rather than than going for it? Um, you know, he said both times that he 
he'd kick the field goal, whether it was the 20 yarder or the, the long 50 yarder with the crosswind that you know, maybe if they don't have that crosswind, it probably goes in because it looked like it had plenty of distance um, and maybe just missed to the right by a yard or so. Um, yeah, he said he would he would kick the field goals if he had you know the chance again. Um, but yeah, he's normally pretty conservative with that, mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't too surprising. But you know, you look back on it now, you know if they go for it and convert on one of those I mean, and get a touchdown rather than a missed field goal, that's obviously the difference in the game. Yeah, it really is the difference in the game. And I pulled up some numbers here. Um, it's a few from a few seasons ago, but Stadium did a really good study where they looked at field goal distances. Um, it's from the 2018 season, and kicks of 50 to 54 yards are a 40% hit rate, but I think the stark thing is you look at the field goal where the 32-yard kick that was missed, that's an 83% hit rate for those kickers. So I would say definitely benefited there, I think, just if you look at the pure numbers. And, again, it's from a few years ago, but I think that those numbers probably bear out just because college football is college football. Yeah, and just to add one thing, so Oklahoma State's starting kicker going back to last year, um, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast earlier this week, but um, – you know, he was probably on his way to like all Big Twelve. He was seems like he couldn't miss. Mm-hmm. Um, got hurt in Bedlam warmups, just a freak injury, blew out his knee, um, and he came back this season and really struggled the first few weeks. Um, and they actually kind of sat him and you know, kind of had him work through some technical type stuff. Um, and then they went with Tanner Brown, who's now the the starter now. Um, and I don't think he had missed. I think the last few weeks he was like five for five or something oh wow so i think that also went into like gundy's decision on you know he hasn't missed lately he's probably got confidence like i've got confidence in him we'll send him out there um and yeah for him to miss like the 50 yarder um you know obviously it's a good distance like you said but you know for him to miss the the 20 30 yard or whatever it was down here on the other end um that was a little bit surprising and for sure so yeah just something to add there yeah I think, too, like you look at overall performances, and not necessarily an outlier performance, but I think Brock Purdy does deserve a lot of credit. You look at someone that, you know, I feel like I've written about Brock Purdy a good amount this season, and I wrote about it heading into the game on Friday where, you know, he talked about it. After the Iowa game when he has the three interceptions, you know, you could – whatever you want to say about the three interceptions, I I would argue that two out of the three weren't his fault. But regardless, you look at the stat line, he's going to get criticism for it. And – he talked about kind of in the time since that he's really tried to refocus himself. And I think what you've seen now is Brock Purdy playing probably the best football of his Iowa State career. I mean, better than that stretch last season where, you know, he was completing 70-plus percent of his passes for 10 yards in attempt, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Like, this is better than that. He's completing about over 70% of his passes this season. He's a little under on those yards per attempt numbers. But I think to some degree that's also a product of, you know, Iowa State not necessarily looking to push the ball down the field a ton. You know, they're very much a ball control team looking to build off of that. And I think Brock Purdy today was fantastic. I mean, completes 27 of his 33 throws, 307 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That is the big thing for me is the no interceptions. And I don't even think, I mean, Cody, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like I don't remember any sort of pass that I thought, oh, crap, he may have just gotten intercepted. No, and that's the thing is most of his passes or completions were – you know, short yardage. Like there wasn't many like deep downfield mm-hmm. shots or anything like that. Um, he slowly just kind of picked apart the Oklahoma State defense. And you know, I thought it was strange looking back at the stats that you know all their points came in the red zone. They didn't have any like huge plays mm-hmm. that 
you know, <laughs> other than the uh, one almost, that, almost, other than the <laughs> one that got called back. I'll let you comment on that. Yeah, I man, I don't know what in the world that flag was. I try not to get into some of that stuff, but man, that was an awful call. I don't know how that's taunting. Like Xavier Hutchinson said post game, the you know he knew he was high stepping and then he tried to stop, you know, before it got out of hand. And he did like a two step high step. It wasn't like Deion Sanders where he's doing it for forty yards, you know, down the field. right? You know, he's not doing it for ten fifteen yards. He goes in the end zone. Like he looked around and then kind of like did a quick little one, and that was just him. If they don't score there, that is one of those moments where you look back, and that's a, a big, big turning point in the game. Of course, Iowa State then really did make it a point to get Xavier Hutchinson the ball. Yeah, like they were like, all right, three dude. times after. Yeah, they're like, all right, so you're not going to score here. All right, well then, we're just going to make sure you get the touchdown in the end. And I think Xavier Hutchinson deserves a lot of credit for his performance too. Man, he that was awesome. I think that from start to finish, you look at that fourth down play that he had, where if he drops that, that's seven points off the board, and that really takes away Iowa State scoring after that missed field goal from Oklahoma State. I think to me, like the most impressive catch of the game came on that, if you're looking at the TV broadcast, the far sideline where he somehow gets a foot in bounds. It looked like the ref ruled him out of bounds at first, and then they come back to say he's in bounds. I thought he was fantastic today. And regardless of what happened maybe on that flag, and Matt Campbell said post game that the refs explained to him that it was because he did the quick little high step. And Matt Campbell himself said he had to watch his words with what he was saying about it. So I think in general, you know, you look up and down and Iowa State got really good performances from its really, really good players. Like I'll get to the who stood out, who didn't stuff on Sunday, but really struggling to maybe come up with some guys that didn't have good games because, you know, in general, just really solid performances from Iowa State on offense. Um, and even on defense, you know, Spencer Sanders was awesome. Uh, I thought that he really carved up the Iowa State defense at times. His passes were really good. I thought he took advantage of some of the cornerbacks. Um, and if you're looking at this from an Iowa State perspective, you're playing some more quarterbacks that are like Spencer Sanders here in the near future. You know, whoever it is for Texas has some dual threat capabilities, whether it's Thompson or Card. You look at what Caleb Williams brings to Oklahoma. He's more mobile than Spencer, Spencer Rattler. You know, you've got some mobile quarterbacks coming up, but of course you got Max Duggan there at TCU to wrap up this season. So that's something to watch. How is Iowa State going to do against some of these more mobile quarterbacks? You know, they did a ride against Jason Bean with Kansas, but again, that was Kansas and that game got out of hand early. So I think overall, you're looking at Iowa State, really good performance overall. Spencer Sanders is probably like the one, you know, black mark, if you will. But it doesn't really matter. You know, you win the game at the end of the day. And I think Iowa State can feel really good about this result in general going forward. But anything else kind of that stood out to you here, Cody, before we wrap it up? So Gundy talked about afterwards um, kind of things that stood out to him was he felt that Oklahoma State's pass rush in the second half um, that they just weren't getting pressure on Purdy. Mm. I don't know if you noticed that at all and, and how their offensive line did throughout the game, but that was one thing that he, he pointed out, that they just weren't necessarily getting pressure on him, and he was able to kind of stand in there and find those you know short 10-yard passes or whatever it was just to kind of carve the defense. So, I mean, I don't know how you yeah. feel that the offensive line did for Iowa State, but that was something that he mentioned. Interesting. I felt like in the second half, I thought to myself, I remember this at one point, was when Purdy, I think it was maybe on that Xavier Hutchinson play, where he's kind of rolling to his right. I kind of felt like, man, it seems like Purdy's been rolling out a lot in the second half. But maybe it's that Oklahoma State just really didn't get close to getting home. I don't, you know, two sacks. You know, there's the one sack in the first half where Brees Hall misses the block. They kind of had two rushers on one guy, so that makes sense. 
Um, but yeah, outside of that, you know, I think when you think about Brock Purdy in general, you know, some of his bad moments come when he is running for his life. I mean, you can look at the Big 12 title game even last year, right? Like Brock Purdy was running for his life in that game. The offensive line did not have a good game. And in the end, he throws, I believe, three interceptions. So you look at him today, you know, and probably I think that's probably accurate. Now that I think about it more and more, what Gundy said about the pressures. And that's a credit to Iowa State's offensive line. That group deserves some credit because they were not good early in the season. And I think they would tell you that. There's a reason that they made the switch at left tackle with Sean Foster getting replaced by Jared Hufford. I thought he had another really good game today again. You know, overall, that unit seems like it's progressing really nicely with, again, a lot more talent coming up. That's the thing with the Iowa State so far. This is a good benchmark win for them, but a lot more tests are to come in the coming weeks, even at West Virginia next week. That's not an easy road trip. And then you really do get in kind of that daunting three-game stretch with Texas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. Um, but, yeah, I think that'll do it for us here post game. Thanks again, as always, for listening to the Cyclone Alert, Cyclone Scoop podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We will likely have another podcast for you here midweek. Um, and if you aren't following me on Twitter already, follow me on Twitter at mswain247. And you can also follow our Cyclone Alert Twitter account if you want exclusive Twitter account based around Iowa State football content. Go to at CycloneAlert247. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next week.